This week's episode of Trek Geeks is brought to you by Fansets, the place for amazing pin collectibles. They have close to 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins to choose from, with new pins coming out every month. See all the pins and collectibles they have to offer at fansets.com, and stay tuned for this week's special Trek Geeks discount code. Fansets. We are Star Trek. This is J.G. Hertzler, General Martok on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Fleet Transportation Division, where our special ground shuttle is aboard a ferry crossing a lake. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, one and all Trekkies everywhere. This is the Trek Geeks Podcast, and I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Welcome to episode number 189. We are fast approaching the 200 mark, and we're glad you're here with us this week and every week. Thank you so much for downloading. It's amazing. I did all that without copy, Dan. Isn't that great? Very nice. And that's Dan. Hey. We're gonna, I'm going to introduce him now, okay. because he's the guy who piloted us all the way to Ticonderoga, New York, to visit Trekonderoga, the wonderful little convention. Hey, buddy, what a great time we had. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. It was unlike anything I could have expected. It blew my expectations away, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, it was great to be there, and it's great to be here, as always, with you, Bill, uh, on this week's episode of the podcast to talk about that. Uh, special weekend we had just uh, just a week ago as we record today. Um, we were originally going to be deep diving into Face of the Enemy from Star Trek The Next Generation, but because the convention was so special and so great, we decided to push that off till next week. So we're going to talk about Trek Honduroga all day today, and I could go literally all day talking about Trek Honduroga because it was just that awesome. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that, Dan. <laughs> so, um, wow. And I might man- mention you're the lovely and talented Dan Davidson. Ooh, ooh, um, thank because you very I, much. I don't think I dropped your last name earlier. Um, so when he goes on and on and on and on, you want to tell him to shut up. Just uh, make sure you route that feedback to Dan Davidson. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> well, don't be too quiet, Dan, because we want everybody to send that feedback to tell you to shut up. And how might they do that, mon frere? It is very easy to get in touch with us. Just head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a variety of ways to get in touch with either Bill or myself. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat us. You can fill out the contact form and just type us out a personalized message like I just did. Or you can click on that big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a message with your very own mellifluous voice using SpeakPipe. 
And don't forget, the place to be on Facebook these days is the official Trek Geeks Facebook group called Camp Kittimer. Bring your Trek talk, your Trek picks, and your Trek love over to the site and join over 1,400 other friends talking all things Trek. It is the place on social media where the Trek talk is always positive and we allow no bashing or gatekeeping of any kind at Camp Kittimer. Plus, if there are new announcements about the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, you're going to be here. You, I almost got through the entire thing for a second week in a row, but I show my true colors. It's, uh, uh, that was never going to happen. Those of us who bet on it just made money. <laughs> so if you want to hear new stuff about the network, just go to Camp Kittimer, okay? Uh, to join the group, head on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan for the amazing job they do running the camp. But please remember that any comments or messages you leave in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. You know, it's funny because as you were typing that message, I'm saying to myself, there's no way that's readable because I know how you type when you're trying to be careful. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Uh, uh, the automatic uh, underline when a word is spelled wrong is my friend. Because <laughs> I have a whole sheet of red most of the time. I say at this point, it's more than an underline. It probably looks more like strike through. Wow, thanks. <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spin in the alpha quadrants. For all the news on all, all the Star Trek's yo. It's treknews.net. I, th- I wasn't sure you were finished. Done. This was uh, uh, Trek News 2 Electric Boogaloo right here <laughs> online at treknews.net. First up, Dan, we hope everyone is enjoying the latest additions to the Trek Geeks podcast network. Of course, Politrex with hosts Barry DeFord and Shashank Avaru. And uh, for those who read comics, specifically Star Trek comics, treknews.net has something that may be of interest to you all. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. That's right. Treknews.net is now featuring Star Trek comic book reviews by the one and only Shashank Avaru from Politrex. Uh, We are very excited about this, as is Shashank, and he's already actually contributed to our favorite Star Trek news site a couple of times, most recently this past week with his review of IDW's Year 5, Issue 5. It's kind of neat. Five, five. Uh, From the story to the art, you're going to get Shashank's honest and unedited thoughts about the issues. So uh, be sure to check it out at treknews.net. I had to do that because you always get to. Um, Wow. Do I really draw it out like that? I. I you just regular sentences drawn out for you, man. So just. that's true because I don't speak good. <laughs> <laughs> also, Dan, uh, while we were at Trek Onderoga this past weekend, we had the honor and privilege of meeting uh, and talking briefly with Ethan Peck from Star Trek Discovery, uh, which we're going to get a little more detail later on about. But during his panel, he let everyone know that we. And the collective fandom are not the only ones that want to see a Pike series. 
Oh, this has just got to happen. But uh, you are correct, Monfrere. During Ethan's panel at Triconderoga, uh, he told everyone how the makeup department had to use special eyebrow blockers to give him the Vulcan pointed eyebrows that we're used to. Now, they couldn't shave his real ones because of contractual obligations for other things, so it was really a challenge, he said. Uh, actually, he said, quote, this is where it's great, hopefully, Anson, Rebecca, and I are hoping to have a spin-off of our own and we can do all this proper. So if that happens, oh, that's an end quote. So if that happens, they'll probably shave his eyebrows, make the pointed ones look the way, and we'll have a Spock that we'll get to see in another series. We all want this so much. Um, And here's the interesting thing, Bill. Even though because of these eyebrow blockers, he said that the makeup had so many layers to it that it actually took longer to do the Spock makeup than it takes for Doug Jones' Saru makeup by about an hour. That's amazing. Well, I suppose, now if I think about it, I think that makes a little bit of sense because, I mean, with Doug, it's you put the, the facial appliances on and it doesn't necessarily have to look natural. Um, not as natural as a, a, a Vulcan face because, you know, it, 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 there's it's more intricate, the Vulcan makeup, whereas with Doug, it's a bunch of appliances that mm. they put on and make look like an alien head. That's, uh, maybe, that's that's what I think. Good point, good point. Um, of course, I have never done makeup. I have no idea. That's a lot of things, but that's okay. I understand. I'm clueless about so many things. I'm wrong about most of them. No. (laughs) If it's anything like my Star Trek Discovery predictions on Discovering Trek, I am wrong about most of them. Ah, there you go. That's very nice. Well, Dan, um, moving on, it seems like this... Oh, (laughs) jeez. This is a story that's never going to die. But recently, at Keystone Comic Con, Michael Dorn spoke about the possibility... And I use that in loose quotes of a Worf series. <laughs> Aren't you glad I threw this one in? <laughs> Elated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Michael Dorn gave us an update on this proposed spinoff series, Progress, during an appearance at Keystone Comic Con in Philadelphia. He said, quote, I'm trying to get them to do my Worf pilot. I wrote it in 2012, 2013, and it's been going like this. A lot of interest, no interest. A lot of interest, no interest. End quote. He also said that, um, quote, a guy who was a producer at this one place that I was pitching it to came up to me before the meeting and said, I got to tell you, your character meant so much to me. It fits so well into this new Star Trek universe. It just fits right in there. So we'll see. End quote. Right. Anyway, while there's been no confirmation of anything with this proposed spinoff becoming reality, even former co-star Marina Sirtis read the pilot that Dawn wrote and was impressed. She said, I read it and I called him up and said, how did you do that? He had all the action stuff minutely detailed. I was very impressed with my best friend, end quote. And I just don't have any interest in this, Bill. I, I, I don't think you do either, and I don't think a lot of people do. I could be wrong, and for those that want it, great, but I just, eh, meh, as you like to say. Well, th- that's kind of where I'm at about it. I mean, let, let's be honest here. No other character in Star Trek, and I'm talking about regular characters. I'm not talking about the computer voice. No other developed, you know, primary character has had more screen time than Worf right. in Star Trek. You're right. He's had 277 episodes. That's 100 episodes more than anybody else on Star Trek The Next Generation. Or almost 100. It's yeah. 99 more to be exact. Because there are people who will say, it's only 99. But your wharf ain't one. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that he wants to play wharf again. But I, 
I, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily interested in where that character goes. Yeah. I am interested in what happens to Jean Luc Picard, um, because uh, he hasn't had an extra hundred episodes. Right. I want to see where he wound up after Nemesis, because he's endured a lot. Uh, some might argue as much, if not more, than Worf. Um, and um, yeah, so I, <laughs> if it happens, I, I'm sure I'll watch it. Yep. But uh, as I have no interest in it happening right now. I think Pike is a little higher on the list right now for me. Uh, infinitely <laughs> higher for me. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see Pike get 277 episodes. Oh. I don't think I can know enough about that character as long he's, as Anson Mount's playing him. He's so dreamy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is. Yes. No. And Dan, lastly, it appears as though there have been a few social media posts this weekend from people associated with the production, but uh, based on a more recent Instagram posts, we can confirm that uh, season principal photography on season one of Picard is uh, completed. Yeah, this was a great picture. You actually sent this to me last night when we were talking about the news segment here today. And uh, yeah, Michael Shabon posted a really cool picture on Instagram from Vasquez Rocks of all places, which... Wow. Uh, Along with the awesome picture, he posted the following, quote, That's a shooting wrap on season one of Star Trek Picard. There have been so many incredible moments, so many life and career high points. But for a 45-year-plus Star Trek fan, visiting the sacred Gorn-haunted grounds of Arena was a peak. End quote. That may be the quote of the month. Uh, Gorn Haunted Grounds. Just awesome. Beautiful picture of those famous rocks. And it makes me wonder, are we going to see some of those Vasquez rocks? I'm thinking. I yeah, think we, we saw them in the trailer. In the trailer, actually, yeah. So, so that's cool. They're going to the places that are that people associate Star Trek with so well. And uh, very excited. Shabon uh, looked elated. It was a really great picture. Well, in, as elated as he can look, because the guy normally has no reaction to most of his photos. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Yeah, but he did in this one. So it was kind of cool to see. I um, it, it's interesting. I, I love how Vasquez rocks can be a variety of planets. Of course, who knows? Who knows what planet this is? Yeah, uh, it, it, maybe it's Vulcan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be one of uh, any one of a number of different worlds, and I'm excited to see it come 2020. Um, knowing that principal photography is wrapped, and now the uh, the VFX team and the the music and all of the other things that have to happen continue to keep working is still pretty much exciting to me. So I'm I'm very very jazzed for this more so than a warp series. Uh, yeah, that's true. So yeah, lots of good uh, wrap of of Picard, and also just a little tidbit to throw out there. There was some photos posted this week uh, of Jonathan Frakes is directing an episode of Discovery this week or last week or the coming week. So that's very exciting too. So uh, lots going on in the Star Trek universe, buddy, and uh, I'm just ecstatic. Dan, as always, we want to thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. You know, we've been talking a lot lately about the recently released Women of Trek collection that made its debut at Star Trek Las Vegas. And Dan, you recently posted a pic on Twitter of your newly hung and or framed and hung collection. And it looks uh, looks pretty sweet there, buddy. 
I, I gotta say, it does look pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's hanging up on my wall along with the Captain's Collection and the TNG30 Collection and the DS925 Collection, and uh, they all look beautiful. I'm so proud to be an owner of all of these great pins. Um, Fansets has great collections that have come out and will be coming out, uh, like the Autograph Collection featuring, so far, William Shatner, Brent Spiner, and Doug Jones. Uh, these are not facsimile autographs either, people. Each of these celebrities hand-signed each of the pins available to purchase over at fansets.com, and they are beautiful. Also coming soon will be the first pin in the Fansets Fabric Collection. That may not be the actual name, but that's what I'm calling it here today. Um, that's right, actual fabric used in the uniforms while filming Discovery will be incorporated into these pins. And we've seen a couple prototypes, and believe me, folks, these are must Haves. We can't wait to see them on the website. And also, coming out very soon will be the very first post-STLV Women of Trek pin, and that will be the lovely Jadzia Dax. So cool stuff coming, Bill. All amazing and great collections. And you and I have seen some of this fabric that they're going to be using for these fabric pins, as you call them, and uh, I, I can't wait to get these in my hot little hands. They are just incredible. Now, of course, in addition to all of those collection sets, you can start your very own collection of standalone pins by heading on over to fansets.com today and choosing from, get this, almost 200 pins just from Star Trek alone. I mean, uh, if you check them out, every single one of them is pretty incredible. My new favorite right now is the half Picard, half Locutus pin. Um, Beautiful. I might be holding that in my hot little hands right here. Oh, yeah, you are. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> In the meantime, of course, as a special bonus to Trek Geeks listeners, if you want to receive 15% off your entire order at fansets.com this week, simply enter the word Elvis at checkout. That's all capital letters, E-L-V-I-S, Elvis, as in the king of rock and roll. And this bonus code is going to be available until Tuesday, September 10th at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. We are Star Trek, and we thank our friends at Fansets for sponsoring this week's episode. Well, Dan, we gathered to talk about the recent weekend we had at um, Treconderoga 2019, the fifth annual Treconderoga, which we found out when we hit the ground there. And um, it's hard to believe we haven't been there for Treconderogas one through four because we had a, a fantastic weekend. I can pretty much guarantee we'll be going to the next ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, it, it really is uh, amazing that, um, you know, James got the official license from CBS a couple of years ago. We were actually in Vegas when that announcement was made, and we got to quickly congratulate him one afternoon when he was walking by us in the hallway. And and we've talked about whether or not we could we would make the the trek out to Ticonderoga at some point, and everything fell into place for us to go to this Treconderoga event. And man, it was worth the wait because it was it was it was worth its weight in gold. It was awesome. I loved it in Latinum, maybe gold press Latinum. There you go. Yeah, I think was, um I think the thing that surprised me the most about it was how how intimate it was, but yet how delightfully expansive it seemed. I mean, there were two different locations. So uh, a lot of the convention content was at the high school. Yep. Which was instantly like traveling back in time because it's a very small high school. <laughs> um, you know, we were set up in the gym at, at a booth in the vendor's room, um, which <laughs> brought back visions of being stuffed in a locker as a kid. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... You know, uh, when you wanted to go to the tour, you essentially drove around the corner or walked around the corner to mm -hmm. the the official location of the Star Trek original series set tour. 
And, you know, there's a little, uh, there are display cases there with various collection pieces, both uh, from James and some other individuals. And um, it, it really is like stepping back in time, but stepping into the future. Um, it, it, it was nothing short of amazing. It really was. Let's let's take a step back for a second. Of course, we we made the drive. It was about a three and a half hour drive from New Hampshire, so we started bright and early in the morning. And driving out there is is just gorgeous. The the landscape is great. And just to give you an idea of how quaint of an area uh, Ticonderoga is, um, I thought I had put the GPS in a particular uh, to go in a particular uh, route, uh, but I accidentally didn't. So we ended up coming up all of a sudden to this dock <laughs> and there was a ferry and i'm gonna tell you anybody who's seen jaws which people know is my favorite movie of all time the ferry looks just like the one that the mayor gets into at one point or gets onto and they're talking with brody it's very small does not hold a lot of cars maybe 20 cars total um and we took this ferry across the lake and as soon as you get off the ferry boom you're in ticonderoga it's like uh, two minutes from getting off the ferry and it was it was really stepping back in time a little bit, I think. Does the shark eat the fairy in Jaws? It does not. Okay. Yeah, I've no, obviously never seen Jaws. They actually were going to, Brody was going to go tell some kids that were swimming for their merit badges to get on shore. And he was going to take the, the guy in the ferry was going to take him over. But as he was doing that, the mayor got on the ferry with his giant whale of a Cadillac and his awesome anchor studded sport jacket to tell uh, Martin that he shouldn't close the beaches down. But that's another story. That's another story for that's another, another podcast. podcast for another yeah. time. Yeah, which I'd be happy to run. Yeah, I um <laughs> oh, thank you for that. <laughs> we um yeah, getting on the ferry was actually kind of a, a unique experience. It's not like these giant boats that cross like the Great Lakes or right. that take you from uh um you know, that, that take you to Long Island. It was a small 18 car ferry that looked like a floating platform, like a barge. Exactly. Yeah. And it was on cables that get recycled from the local ski areas every three years. These giant steel cables. So it wasn't going to drift. It wasn't going to go. It's essentially one big landing pad that took you from one side to the other. And you're right. We were literally at the Star Trek uh, original series set tour two minutes later. Yeah, it was it was great. And 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 you get to the center of Ticonderoga, and it's it's not a big town, um, but but there in this right after the center of town is. A big giant TOS Delta with the uh, set tour um, font or, or writing with the Star Trek font, and there we were. And we pulled into the parking lot, and the music's playing, and there's a shuttlecraft outside to sit in, which we both did. And the adventure of the weekend started at that moment, and it was an adventure that just got better and better as time went on all weekend long. Ticonderoga is a very picturesque town. It's a very it it, it evokes shades of Norman Rockwell. Mm -hmm. It really does. Nice. And this location being smack dab in the middle of downtown is really kind of fitting because, you know, TOS certainly aired during a complex time in American history, but many small cities and towns of the 1960s were very much like Ticonderoga. Yeah. You know, they were, they were tiny working communities or, you know, what evolved into bedroom communities. And um, there's lots of farmland around Ticonderoga. There's the giant, the beautiful Lake George, you know, valley around around Ticonderoga. It's it really is a, a great spot for more than just Star Trek. But I'm glad we were there for Star Trek because you're right. Stopping at the set tour at that moment really started off one hell of a weekend. 
It really did. We got to meet, um, I got to give huge props out to Mary Beth, who was uh, the behind the scenes person um, at the set tour, who took care of, of getting us everything we needed. We actually got to set up a vendor's table um, in the vendor's room, even though we weren't selling anything. We were just there to, to meet people and, and talk about the podcast and stuff. And we had a fantastic time with that. But she really helped us get everything situated. So uh, got to send out huge props to her. It was great to finally meet her in person. And she was the first person that we met when we got there. Um, and it was great. I love the fact that when we did go over to the high school to get set up, they put us out in the back corner, which we actually loved because it was near the door where there was a nice breeze and we got to hang our banner and it looked fantastic. Very, very Everybody is so friendly. Everybody was so welcoming. Um, let us have whatever we needed to set up. And it just felt like it, it, it to me, Bill, it felt like we had been there several times before because of the way that everybody was and how friendly they were. It was fantastic. You know, it's, it's what you expect from the Star Trek community. You know, you expect people to be uh, helpful and you expect everybody to be your friend through Star Trek because they are, you know, we all love this thing the the same way or in, in slightly different ways, but for the, many of the same reasons. And it was a great little microcosm of, of Star Trek in this beautiful little upstate New York town. We, um, <laughs> we were in the corner it was it was very true but it was the best location for us because uh um everybody still seemed to find us we saw people we met last year in yes. albany new york which was mm-hmm. fantastic right um we we met brand new we met a lot of people who didn't know what podcasting was right and that really that really opened my eyes you know it, it tells me that there's a large portion of star trek fans who may or may not know or understand this medium and i i was I, I was energized by that because it was a chance to tell them all about you know not just our star trek podcast but the fact that there's an entire galaxy of them out there well that's the thing that 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 i found so interesting when we had those type of com- com- conversations excuse me there are tons and tons of star trek podcasts and yeah five years ago i didn't know what a podcast was but that was five years ago it seems that now that we've been doing it so long, it's just a part of everyday life for everyone, and it really isn't. Um, so to meet people who haven't listened to us, which is totally fine, but weren't actually familiar with the entire podcast world, I found very surprising. But at the same time, it was great to educate them about it, tell them the, uh, what we have to offer, tell them what some other podcasts have to offer, and, and let them hear for themselves. It was it was great to meet those new people. I really enjoyed it. And I also enjoyed meeting the people that we've met before, like Emily. It was great to see her again, and, and Mike uh, and, and his family, and, and everyone that, that, that we've seen before, Adam and so many others. So it was a great weekend. It was another reunion, so to speak, uh, like STLV. It really was. You know, it... Um it was amazing. You, you, you've used the word intimate now several times and it was, it was intimate. It was, it was familial. It was, it was like a family reunion more in a different way than STLB is. And that was really what surprised me the most is I could go to this event for the first time and still feel like I was right at home. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. And there were lots of things to do, um, at this event. There were, there were, of course, there were so many people there visiting, um, uh, Terry Farrell and, and J.G. Hertzler and, of course, Ethan Peck, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, David Frakem, what, oh my God, what a joy it was to see that guy. He was having the time of his life, 93 years young, just having a fantastic time walking those sets. They actually took the uniform that they have on display that he wore back in 67 to film uh, the episode that he was in with the Kodos Ambassador, and he wore it 
at the set while he was walking the set and that and it still looked great on him fit perfectly and uh, that was one of the highlights was seeing how joyful he was at what he was participating in yeah david frankham has been in so many things he's one of the voices in 101 dalmatians for example you know he uh he does play larry marvick in um what is there in truth no beauty is that correct it? yep um and i used to always screw up that title and people Me too. still screw it up every day but that's it, why i didn't say it yeah it's <laughs> it, is there in truth no beauty as i'm almost positive that's the correct yep. one i believe you're correct um and you're right. It was really cool to see him standing next to the uh, the Medusa Ambassador's container on the transporter pad in that original costume that he wore uh, 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> but what a what a delightful guy! Um, uh, he wasn't sure that anybody would want to come out to see him, I know. and he was greeted with just uh, the overwhelming applause and cheers. And I think that it uh, I think that it demonstrated to him that people really do still want to. Hear yeah. from him and, and know what he's about, and appre- give him the appreciation he deserves for being a part of this franchise. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned it briefly on Sunday morning. We had the uh, the honor of of doing the tour with James Colley, but before we actually started the tour, we were waiting to go in the for him to come out and say hi to everybody. And David Frakem came out the entrance of the tour. The doors opened up, and he came out, and everybody just started cheering and clapping. And he was he was moved by that reaction that that we all gave him. Um, he was he had a smile that was as wide as I can even possibly explain, and he just was so thankful that we were there and giving him that uh, that round of applause, and that was one of the highlights of the weekend for me. I didn't get to talk to him, um, but just seeing that reaction from him when he was leaving Sunday morning was was worth the trip in itself. You know, it, it truly was. It 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 brought a tear to my eye because I mean, you know, the guy's 93 years old. I mean, he's thinking that no, no, what Star Trek fans are going to want to talk to him. Why, why is he doing this? And I think he was, his reaction seemed to be one of genuine surprise and love. And Mm -hmm. I tell you what, it's going to be a moment as a Star Trek fan. I, I don't ever forget. Yeah. Um, it was that special to me. Um, uh, but he wasn't the only Star Trek luminary, right? Who was there this past week weekend? There was uh, there was Robin Curtis, who was of course mm-hmm. Savick in Star Trek three and four, and uh, also made an appearance in Star Trek: The Next Generation, um, in uh, Gambit one and two. Yes, there was um, Terry Farrell from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. We were on the record for a long time as loving Terry, and and she was fantastic. Had a great weekend herself. But there was also um, J.G. Hertzler, our friend. Yes. And the one and only Ethan Peck, Spock from season two of Star Trek Discovery. And I got to say, what an impressive guy Ethan Peck is. I mean, we can talk about everybody else, but Ethan Peck really made an impression on both you and I. He really, really did. Now, we've said this before on the show and over on Discovering Trek. One of the things we love so much about the cast of Discovery is they're so engaged with the fans. Whether it be through social media or whether it be at conventions, they, they take the time to talk to you and with you when you're in their line for an autograph or or for a photo op. And that's something that we're not used to seeing with a lot of the celebrities from various shows in the past. So this was no different. Um, Ethan had an autograph table um, that you could get an autograph and a selfie with if you wanted to. So both you and I actually, uh, actually did that. And, and, while I was taking the picture with him, he was so wonderful to talk to. He he really appreciated that we came out, and, and it was great to shake his hand. And I said, I got a real quick question for you, Ethan. I run a, a, a I do a podcast with my friend Bill, who's going to be over here shortly, called Discovering Trek. And I have a question that I'd like to use 
your answer, not record you, obviously, but just quote you if I could. And I held up a picture. I said, I've only saved one Twitter picture and tweet ever in all the time that I've been on Twitter. And it's of you. And I showed him the picture, and it was a picture of him sitting against a brick wall on a sidewalk. He had just gotten a text that said, welcome aboard, Mr. Spock, when he was give, when he when he was informed that he had gotten the role to play Spock on Discovery. And he collapsed on that sidewalk because of that text, and he was so overwhelmed, and someone took a picture of it. And I said, Ethan, what was going through your mind at that moment? And he was like, oh, and he like, kind of put his hand on his forehead and wiped away, uh, like he was wiping away sweat or something like that because he was nervous. He goes, it was so, it was, I was so happy, and I was so scared, and I was so overwhelmed because he, I'm filling the shoes of this character that nobody thinks can be played by anybody else and he was really worried about that so it was great to get that raw emotion from him um about um about giving being given the role of spock and i i said to him i said well i'll tell you what man you effing nailed it it was awesome i can't i hope to see more of you i can't wait for the short trek and i really want to see something in the future with you because you are star trek and i thank you for everything that you've done and he was very appreciative and i loved it he was an incredibly genuine and humble guy for you know what pe- most people perceive actors to be like. Um, certainly, we've met some actors, and not necessarily Star Trek actors, who have had diva complexes. Sure. Um, you know, people who, who insist on, on things a particular way. And Ethan was the exact opposite from that. Take every stereotype you've heard of as far as you know, people who act on television and in movies. And, and just throw it away when it comes to Ethan Peck because the guy is as genuine as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, moments after you were there, um, because somebody had, we, we each had to keep an eye on the table, um, I went over with my Star Trek Discovery print because his is the last print that I was going to get on it before I get it framed. And uh, it was eventually my turn. I said, you know, Ethan, I, I, I got to thank you for everything you've done to add to the fabric of Spock. We, I love what you did. And I'm... You know, I thought it at almost 50 years old that Star Trek was done teaching me things, and I was wrong. He And then he put me on the spot, and he totally caught me off guard. He's like, oh, really? What did you learn? And I'm like, ah, ah. And I said, well, specifically from season two of Discovery, I learned that redemption is real. You know, we don't often realize we need it uh, when we get it. You know, I said, you take a look at the relationship between Spock and Michael Burnham, and she said something so hurtful and divisive to him that she didn't necessarily realize that she needed forgiveness and redemption until later. And then she got it. And it was probably a feeling that she had not anticipated because being raised by Vulcan, she's, she's not dealt with many of those. So uh, it, it, it's real. You know, I think about my five sisters and what would happen if, if one of us had said something hurtful between, you know, um, all of us or one of us. And it, it would be a, a pretty, a pretty damning thing. It would be horrible. And it would cause a huge rift, as it does in families all over the world, even today. And um, I thought that those moments were pretty special between the two of them. And he thought that that was pretty awesome. He uh, he's glad to hear that you know, that even for longtime fans, Star Trek is still Star Trek, and and that's really what impressed me the most. Uh, I was uh, totally thrown off by being put on the spot by him, but it was a conversation I was very excited to have. 
That's pretty cool. And and anytime that you're put on the spot, it usually is a good thing because your answer is is always pretty much spot on. So, uh, well done. What's one of the things I like about him is he understands he understands the the Star Trek universe and he understands fandom. I think one of the things that he said in his panel uh, up in in Ticonderoga was that a month or so before shooting started, he got a call from Alex Kurtzman saying, "Don't shave." We want you to have a beard. We're going to have a beard for you for this for this season at Spock, and he was really nervous about that. Not so much because of you know how he was going to look or not, but he was concerned about the backlash that fandom would give him, which he did get because he understands fandom. There was that small group of people that were all up in arms simply because Spock didn't have a be- or Spock uh, had a beard, and and I thought it was interesting. Um, that he that he mentioned that and and he said you know what if people didn't like the beard that's fine they have the right to their opinion and everything but that was one of his concerns when he found out that he was going to uh, be uh, uh, full of full of facial hair for the season was that social media has a tendency to kind of be negative in some aspects what come on that's crazy talk I, I know what that do you never think? happens <laughs> he um he he definitely approached it with a level of respect. Mm-hmm. And he definitely saw the forest for the trees as far as this character's place in in Star Trek lore and in pop culture, quite honestly. Yeah, um, I, I you know you don't necessarily get that by watching episodes. You know you can you can appreciate the performance, you can see the work that he's put in, you can see how true he stayed to the character, but you don't necessarily get the the behind the scenes you know uh, yeah. approach to the craft necessarily um, until you have moments like that and it was a a wonderfully disarming you know um yeah. talk that he gave i uh I, I remain nothing but impressed by ethan peck i like you like half the planet want to see a pike series um i can only hold out hope that it happens but at this point i'm not sure that it's it's on the drawing board yeah one of the things that i thought was the was best about him now now you you said it he's very respectful of you know fans can have their opinions and stuff i'd be anybody who's out there being negative for no reason at all i just say oh my god you're just a freaking bunch of d- machines and and i don't want to have anything to do with you but he does it respectfully because he understands it and i think that's pretty cool um the other thing that i love that i thought was really cool was his t-shirt <laughs> Sensors. That's all it said. It was wonderful. And uh, I guess he has somebody who makes him shirts for these conventions and, and uh, gets some different ones for, for each convention he goes to, which is a pretty cool thing. And it's pretty neat that a T-shirt that just have has one word on it speaks volumes because it does. I remember when he said sensors on the show for the first time, I freaked out because, of course, that was how, how Leonard did it. And uh, just another great um, respect level for Ethan and what he gave to season two of Discovery. I was excited to learn he's just started watching Deep Space Nine. Yes! That's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> you know, and of course, you know, as, as we are Trek geeks, I couldn't let that revelation go by without saying, well, you know, it is the one that in its DNA is probably closest to Discovery and that it is arced out. Right. And, well, Avery Brooks is the man. Yeah. And absolutely. he just started smiling and he's like, Avery Brooks is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Avery Brooks is amazing. That's the hashtag for today. You know, one of the other people who it was just a true delight to see was uh, all convention long was Robin Curtis. Yes. Um, so nice. What a bundle of energy. You know, what a, a delightfully positive and upbeat human being. And my world is richer for having been in Robin Curtis's presence because she is absolutely not Savick. 
No, she is so wonderful. It was funny. I took the new. I turned into a little kid at one point because, as we said earlier, we were kind of in the back of the of the auditorium, uh, near one of the sets of doors to go outside, and we had a nice breeze coming through. And at one point, uh, Robin and and her handler or whoever was with her came walking by, and and as she was walking, I smiled and I said, "Hey, Robin, how you doing?" And she put her arm on my shoulder and said, "I'm doing great. I hope you're having fun." And I turned to you and I go, <laughs> "Robin Curtis is pretty out of my shoulder." <laughs> <laughs> It was great. And I'll tell you what, she looked great on the bridge dressed up as Savick. She really did. And yeah, it, the video of her and Terry Farrell dancing on the bridge with Terry awesome. and her TOS Red mm-hmm. was uh, was just awesome. It, it was great. It, it, you know what, Dan? It was a great, tiny look at what that weekend is like because mm-hmm. it is laid back. It is fun. It is intimate. You know, they have, you know, special tours with each of these actors on the sets. And it's a group of, of maybe no more than 20 or 30 people at times. Yeah. And it's a great way to to get to spend some time with these celebrities and, and to get a, a unique experience. And uh, it's uh, you get moments like that. You get moments where Dax and Savick are dancing on the TOS bridge. And what, life doesn't get any better than that as a Star Trek fan at times. No, it really doesn't. Can you imagine having a... a- Deep Space Nine era Klingon giving the tour because JG did. Um, that must have been something. I didn't see that one. I saw a couple of pictures of him uh, on some of the sets and, uh, of course, on the bridge like they always do. And uh, I'm sure that was a lot of fun for JG and for everybody who was following it because when you see JG in full Martok mode, he, do- he doesn't hold anything back. So I'm sure he was making fun of the Silly Federation bridge and all this stuff. And uh, uh, that would have been one that I would have liked to have seen. I, I can also imagine that Martok would have been making stuff up. Like the whole, I could see JG doing that you know, yeah. alone because having mm-hmm. having spent you know enough time around JG just you know outside of his Klingon makeup, I could see him totally making stuff up and it being a hilarious tour. But I can also see you know Martok you know talking about the the puny Federation vessels. Yes, I, that could go either way. That's a tour I wish I'd been on. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one you know we're going to get into the 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 sets and the tour itself in a minute but one of the things that i love about this is you said it earlier this is a museum it really is a museum but you get to sit in chairs and you get to take pictures of all of the sets and you get to you get to see yourself uh, in these pictures that are taken of you on this iconic starship, and that's one of the things that I love the most about this is it's sure you can't you you can't and they ask you not to touch the panels or or the buttons, and that's just common sense. Anybody who wants to touch them should be smacked upside of the head because it, that's just not how you do it. But to be able to to be part of of that tour because you're part of the tour when you're on it because you're on the ship uh, was really something that I appreciated. It. Yeah, it's it's more than a tour. It's an experience, mm-hmm. you know. And we actually took two different tours. We took a, a moonlight tour, which was really cool. So none of the overhead fluorescents are on in the venue. It literally is just the the set lighting and the other, you know, colored gel lighting that they have accentuating the corridors mm-hmm. and the walls and the ship. And it that was just truly special. Um, it, people, you know, all weekend were telling us you got to do the moonlight tour. And now yeah. we understand why, because it was just, it was a beautiful experience. It was like being on the ship at night, and I totally, I geeked out on it hard, man. You know what I liked most about, not just the Moonlight one, but both of them, is when you're on the sets and when you're doing the tour, you have that constant hum of the engines. 
just like you did on the show. That really immerses you into the environment. Uh, and it's funny that just a sound can do that the way it does it. But of course, the lighting is just phenomenal. The way that they've done the lighting in the hallways and the shadows that are bouncing off the walls, it's, it's perfection. And uh, I got to give them all the credit in the world for it. You know, and, and that's really the, the best way to describe the sets. You know, you and I have been asked, you know, how does this compare to your other TOS set experience? And it's, it's not the same and it's not supposed to be the same because the sets had two different functions. You know, when we were on the set in Kingsland, Georgia, um, that was still very much an active working right. set where they were filming things. Um, so it, it, it was missing walls and rooms, you know, it was set up for camera shots right? and not for the experience of being on a starship. Um, the Star Trek original series set tour in Ticonderoga is immersive in that all of the walls and all of the rooms are complete. There are no camera cutouts visible. There are no missing walls for camera shots like in sick bay, for example, mm -hmm. there is a fourth wall there and you get the sense that you are in a sick bay on the USS Enterprise. Right. And it's it's a completely different level of experience. And it's hard to explain unless you've seen both. They're both amazing. But I tell you what, I felt more like I was transported to the future uh, with this experience than with our other one. One of the uh, things that I appreciated the most about this was when we were on the bridge. Um, we're, we, we go to the bridge through the turbo lift in the back, which in itself was pretty cool to step out. And there's the bridge. It's fully, it's a fully encased bridge. It's completely circular and complete. And that's one of the things that I've always appreciated. We didn't get to see the view screen other than just like a, a mat shot that we saw a thousand times in TOS. And, and in Spock's brain, I believe, was one of the ones, or maybe Doomsday Machine, where Kirk walks in front of the view screen. We don't get to see that very often at all in TOS. But you see it here. It's part of what's going on. You you, you walk out of that turbo lift, and you're looking at the monitor, and there's Baylock, or there's the cube from Corbomite Maneuver, or there's a planet that you're in orbit around. It, it was awesome. It was so great. And... And I gotta, I gotta admit, I gotta throw myself a little, a little um, pat on the back. Standing on that bridge as Galt was one of the coolest things I've ever done. I just wish that there was a picture of Gamesters of Triskelion on that screen to get a picture of when I was standing <laughs> there, because it was pretty cool. I, it makes you feel, and you're right, you can't really compare the two. Kingsland was amazing. It, it was the first time that we had been on the bridge. It's different on purpose, like you said. Yeah. Kingsland is a shooting set. There were the walls that were missing or could be moved, where this one is supposed to completely envelop you in Star Trek and being on the ship, and it succeeds 100%. You know, in the past, I've talked about the the sets in Ticonderoga, never having seen them, you know, mm -hmm. only seeing them in pictures, and noticing some of the updates and the changes, like video monitors uh, along the top of the, the stations sure. of the bridge. Um, and... At times, it's like, well, that doesn't look the way it did. But when you're there, it makes so much sense. And it is not distracting in any yeah. way. It actually is, I, I think, a, a better version. I mean, come on. If Gene could have done that, Gene would have done that. Sure. Let's be honest about that. Mm -hmm. um, 
even they they used monitors for the uh, the bio beds in sick bay, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, people yeah. aren't having to stand behind and move the levers with their hands. <laughs> <laughs> what you told us about, they have to do like the like the Kirk uh, in the episode um, Atholian Web, where they have to open up Kirk's safe to get the book. There was a guy hiding in that wall to slide open the door. Yeah, that must have been fun. <laughs> oh my, I can't even imagine. Um, the doors were still very manual. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we <laughs> we just want to be honest about that, um, which we loved because, of course, you know, they have to call out the magic doors in yep. order for them to open, just like they did on the original Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to be conducted through the various rooms and to see the detail that went into all of this and to see the, the various pieces that have become part of this museum, you know, like the uh, uh, the Vulcan lyre that was was. You know, handcrafted by you know yes. the, the one of the guys there at at the the Star Trek original series set tour that people you know Star Trek luminaries have since signed. Yes, that you was know, nice. Um, you know, seeing the the three D chess set, seeing the the computer where Spock sat at the briefing room. You know, mm-hmm. it was it, it's it, it brings you back to a simpler time, a more nostalgic time in your fandom, and you really feel like you're there. You, you've you you can't talk about these sets without talking about James. No, you can't. Um, like I said earlier, we have met James very quickly a couple of times just in passing at STLV. We've never really had a discussion with him about the the love that he's poured into these sets, and we did get to meet him this weekend, and I was impressed. Um, he really he really has poured his heart and soul into this uh, set tour, and it shows so well. It really is amazing. He was such a gracious host, you know, and there were times where he totally got to nerd out as a fan. So we're standing there in the parking lot Saturday evening. (laughs) We're wolfing down some McDonald's, which you and I don't normally eat because we had to eat something quick to to go back for uh, for the Moonlight Tour. Oh, no, for the uh, yeah, for the moonlight. Tour. Yeah, it was for the moonlight tour. Yep. And um, we're standing there. It's you and me and Adam, the intern, and uh, and John. And who rolls up in his car but James Colley? And he <laughs> stops as he gets to where you are. He goes, "What does he say?" Well, I'll let you tell it because it was your experience. Yeah, it's it's one thing to see Galt eating McDonald's in the back of a truck, <laughs> but I was in full Galt mode. We actually actually went to McDonald's in Galt mode. That was kind of cool, driving down the road as Galt, because I could barely move. Um, but he pulls up, and he puts down his passenger side window, and he points right at me. He goes, that is one of the best cosplays I've ever seen. Oh, my God, that is so great. you got to come up to the, t- the tour with me right now. we got to get a picture. I want a picture with you. And I'm sitting there going, that's James Colley telling he wants a picture with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me wipe the mustard off my face. So um, it was great. And as we're walking up, I'm going to you. I'm like, oh, my God, I hope we take it on the bridge. I hope we take it on the bridge. I hope we take it on the bridge. So we get in and he's talking to a couple of people and then he comes over and he's talking to me and saying how much he likes it and I go I, I said I thank James thank you so much I'm I'm very honored that you that you appreciate this is my first time doing a cosplay really he's like oh this is great I said where do you want to get the picture he goes let's take it right here and he looks at me and goes no let's go on the bridge so we got to go on the bridge to take the picture that I, that we have of 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 him and myself and it was it that was the highlight for me of the whole weekend in for the James middle of a to tour say that, yeah to say that to me um, as he's driving up in the parking lot and then to go do it. Yeah, in the middle of a tour, there were people on the bridge, but we moved off to the side to do it. That was amazing. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hope that the people who do things associated with Star Trek, because, I mean, let, let, let's be honest, they are an official Star Trek licensee. 
mm-hmm. you hope that they're as big of fans as you are. You know, in the case of Fansets, we know they're as big of fans as we are. You know, in the case of Eagle Moss, we know they're fans. Yeah. Undeniably, James Cawley is a true fan of mm-hmm. Star Trek. And what he's built in Ticonderoga over the years is nothing less than beautiful and gorgeous. Right. I, you know, on his tour, because we got to, we had the very good fortune of, of being put on a tour that he was giving. Yes. Of the sets. Uh, it was the morning after his performance as Elvis, um, which he does during Ticonderoga. Of course, that, you know, he does that professionally. He's an Elvis tribute right. artist. And um, he works hard during those performances, if you've yeah, he does. ever seen them. And uh, he had only had a couple of hours of sleep before our tour, but you would never have known it. Mm-hmm. He um, he was a fantastically engaging and immersed tour guide, just like we were as fans. Um, because I get the sense, uh, this is just my observation, and I'm interested to hear yours. I feel like that he still gets to geek out every time he walks through these sets, even though he's done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. Absolutely, 100%. And I think one of the reasons why he enjoys doing it is he gets to see the reaction from us and from all the people that are going and are doing it for the first time, or maybe not even the first time. He gets to tell stories that nobody's ever heard before in regards to what took place on the sets back in the 60s. It, <clears throat> it's amazing that we're, we are close to 50-something. I'm sure James is in that area, too. Um, we are kids when we go on that set. Uh, and he is he is a big happy kid to tell us these stories and to do this tour. This is his life is the lifelong dream of having these sets, and they are done in a way that you are transported back to the 1960s. And to have someone that can tell you stories from the 60s um, that took place uh, during the shooting is really something. And that's not to take anything away from anybody else who does any of the tours, because the Moonlight tour, I believe, it was Dennis who did the tour for us. Um, was fantastic. It was great. Having James do it adds a little something to it, and he lets us do things that you don't get to do on the, quote, regular <laughs> tour. Like, we got to sit in the captain's chair uh, in his quarters, and we got to sit in the captain's chair and Spock's chair in the briefing room. Um, and it was just, it was really, really great. And I think, I was watching James a lot when people would be sitting, taking pictures in these special places. And I think he really is proud, not only that he's done this, but he's making millions. I'm sure that there will be millions of people who visit this place over the course of time. He's making people happy. He's he's letting people live the dream that we've talked about in the past. It's the ship of dreams, and we're finally on it, because we really are on it. One of the things he says at the beginning of the tour is he hopes it doesn't take away the Starship Enterprise from us because they're sets and you can look up and see the fluorescent lights. It doesn't take away a damn thing, man. Not no. a thing. No, no not it at all. really doesn't because I, I only consciously looked up once. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, that's not where the interesting stuff is. Right. You know, the rest of the time, it's right there in front of you and, and around you. It's a, it's a 360 degree experience to some extent because, well, let's talk about the Magic Corridor. Right. Yes. So, and it's right after the transporter room, you wind up in the corridor and, and James has you go to one specific end. And he talks about how this is the magic corridor. It's like, you know, as you're, you're looking down it, you, you can't see anything but the ship. Right. You know, you don't see, you know, any real world exits. You don't see, but you, there is this perception because of the curved hallway that you really are on this vessel. It really kind of brings it home. And then he had to start at the far end, you know, of the hallway. Mm-hmm. And he says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk all the way down and we're going to walk all the way back. And the whole time you're going to feel like 
you know, you were here in this experience. He said, it's also the magic quarter because it was really the, long, the only long quarter they had. So right. to, to change, you know, shots, what they would do is they would, you know, for a long walk and talk, they would send somebody down the corridor, you know, change all the set dressings and then have them turn around and then shoot it the other way to make <laughs> it look like it was one long contiguous shot. Amazing. Um, it, it's, it, it was, it's a chameleon is what it is because yeah. it, it looks like so many other different decks in the series. But and that was really an emotional moment for both of us. And I'll let you talk about that first, um, because it, it was really kind of at that moment the the immersive experience really kind of began. Yeah, it really is. And you think about the work that you know you, you talk about the stars of, of Star Trek and Shatner and Nimoy and, and Nichelle and everybody involved. You got to give all the work that the the off camera people do, like redressing that hallway. Whenever they do a shot, they'd have to completely reverse everything. Um, and and change things around so that it, it looked contiguous, like you said. And and I got to give them credit. But I'll tell you what, um, that was when I actually started getting teary eyed and 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 breathing a little heavier because that's when I felt I was there. I mean, it is one of the first things that we did with the tour with James. But when you're walking that corridor, and like I said, you're hearing the hum of the engines, and you're looking around, you are on the Enterprise, and it really was something. And I think I was getting emotional because I genuinely appreciated the work that was that James has put into these sets, um, and the way that he um, he acts when he's giving these tours, and the the appreciation that he has for us as fans for being there. That really meant a lot to me. So I really, I was going to go up to him actually and, and and talk to him for a minute, but I never really got the opportunity during that part to tell him how this was the moment that was really, um, really making me tear up. It was really something else. You know, I, I've talked plenty about how you know, the Enterprise has, has been special for me. And um, it's something we'll touch on uh, again in the weeks upcoming. But um, I, I felt like, I felt like I was there for all the times I'd been there in my mind, even though I'd, I'd seen other similar sets. Um, I, I felt immersed is, is really the word that, that, that I, I keep coming back to because that's truly how it felt. I felt like I was there. I felt like I was really part of that world and it really, it really touched something in me. And I, I found myself tearing up because it was a beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you think about all the history that, that, you know, this show and this franchise has, and it all started there. I mean, not there in Ticonderoga or there on those sets, but there with that ship. Mm -hmm. And it, um, it, it's overwhelming if you're not prepared. Uh, even I thought I was prepared and I was overwhelmed by it. Yes, exactly. Um, because it's something we love so deeply and so truly. Um, so um, it, it's, it's really an amazing experience to have, you know, a, another fan you know, like everybody there in Ticonderoga, take you across these sets because it. Uh, even the Moonlight Tour was was pretty amazing, but uh, the James Tour really kind of put the the whole weekend over the top for me. I think you really just hit the nail on the head. We've had the fortune of being down in Kingsland and seeing those sets, so I was like, okay, we're going to go to the set tour. It's going to be cool. I've been to, I've been to a set, um, so I wasn't you know expecting it to hit me emotionally, and man, did it ever! It really. It really surprised me of how uh, emotionally emotionally um, compromised, as Spock would say, I was <laughs> when we were on those sets. And that's a huge compliment 
to what James and everybody up at that set tour have done. And I got to also say, a lot of the people on the set tour are volunteers. Oh, yeah. They put their love into this um, and don't get paid for it. I think their payment is seeing the reaction from the fans. And that's another plus to what he's doing up there. It's just amazing. I, I, I can't say this strongly enough, Bill. Anyone who is even thinking whether or not they should go up to that, that set tour, don't even think. Just do it. You will not be disappointed. It is fantastic. They always have special things going on. Uh, uh, Mr. Shatner's going to be there again in November um, doing a bunch of cool stuff. And um, do it. Go up there. Whether it's for Treconderoga or for an event with a celebrity or not, just go up there. It's, you're going to love it. These special celebrity weekends they do are, are pretty amazing because you can't really do this anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James told us on the tour that Shatner is going to make turkeys for Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, where else can you do that other than Ticonderoga, New York? Mm-hmm. Let me let me give you the answer and spoil it for you. The answer is nowhere. This is the only place this is going to happen. And it was Shatner's idea. Yeah. Yep. He said, <laughs> I want to do turkeys. Turkeys. Um, he's going to deep fry turkeys for, for Thanksgiving because it happens the weekend before Thanksgiving. So um, it is, you want to talk about unique experiences. It doesn't get much more unique than that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Um, I want to, uh, we can come back to this in a bit, but I want to talk a little bit about another unique experience that we had, and that was um, uh, presenting a panel at Treconderoga. Um, James graciously found room for us in the schedule. Um, James and Mary Beth, and we were able to do the uh, the Star Trek Save My Life panel um, for the very first time for a standing room only audience in Ticonderoga, and that was a pretty pretty amazing experience. I'm sure for you, but certainly for me. Um, uh, obviously, it's a panel we hope to do again in the future, so we're not going to spoil too much about it. Although, if people have heard episode 114, they may know a little bit of the story. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell me, you know, about your reactions, sort of before and after. How did how were you feeling before, and then what was your reaction afterwards once you got through it? Well, I'll tell you. Whenever we talk about my story, what happened to me back in in 2000, I get nervous. It's an embarrassing situation that happened with me. So it's always something that makes my butterflies in my stomach start. But um, when we got in there, we set up. Everything was very, it was, again, another intimate situation where it's basically a classroom. It was a biology classroom, I think. Yep, yep. Um, and, and uh, you know, I'm like, okay, if any, if, you know, if people show up, that's great. And then a few people started, you know, walked in before we started, and that was great. And then as I'm, we started, and, and I'm talking, and you're talking, and more and more people are coming in and coming in. And s- before I know it, Every seat in the room is full, and there are people standing. and And I was like, I'll, I'll be honest, crowds don't bother me. I was scared to death at one point when I realized just how many people were in there. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope this goes as well as we want it to because there are so many people here. And everyone made me feel very uh, at ease and very um, and were very interested in, in what we had to say for the panel, and I loved it. Um, it was great to meet the people afterwards. Everyone gave us thanks um, as they were leaving. But when we went back down towards the auditorium, I got to say the thing that really got me the most was there was this family that was in the back of the room. And, and every time um, I was talking, 
he would be nodding his head at me and, and he gave me a couple of thumbs up and and I got to meet his son when we were going back down to the auditorium the kid was just just so cute uh, I got to take his picture with him and and he was very uh, um, excited and, and a happy kid and and later on that individual and I got to have a discussion on Facebook instant messenger and he's actually part of, of Camp Kittimer and it was great to talk to him he thanked me very much for 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 sharing the story and it really meant a lot to him and and that's that's what's important to me is is I don't want to just sit there and talk about me and talk about what happened i want people to 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 connect with what i'm saying and like i've said if i can help one person um who's going through a problem and having trouble then it's worth that that embarrassment and that nervousness that i might have when we're talking and i gotta thank you man because it was your idea to actually do the panel and i thought it was a success and and i hope to be able to do it again so that we can help some other people i i hope so too i i thought that that you did an amazing job during the panel because i mean honestly you do most of the work during the panel. I just sort of keep you between the ditches, if you will. You know, you don't, uh, not going off the road or to sort of, mm-hmm. you know, move you to the next slide. It's the first time we've ever done anything like that. It was different from the panel we did at, uh, at Granite Con uh, last year mm-hmm. because this one was a, was a more personal story. But uh, I was really proud of you for, for stepping up there and doing it because, like you said, it, 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 it's got to be a nerve wracking thing at times and it can't be easy. So, um, it's huge and sincere thanks to James and to to Mary Beth and to everybody at uh, Trek on Rogue and the Star Trek original series set tour, uh, as well as our families and uh, and and our wives <laughs> and our dogs it's, and uh, Dayton Ward and, uh, yes. and a whole bunch of other people who were sounding boards throughout the whole process. Yeah, it's funny. I was doing great during the uh, the entire. Um, panel until uh, a particular slide came up on screen and that's when i started getting choked up but that's when we had my wedding picture in there <laughs> as kind of the second chance chapter of the of the whole story so thank you for that man it really meant a lot i'm a devious human being <laughs> <laughs> well uh well buddy I'd, i think you said it best at the top of this this segment uh we'll absolutely be back to trek on Daruga next year mm-hmm. for year six um i hope we get to do a lot more um with the con and and uh, and certainly get to meet even more people. I, I hope that attendance uh, is just blown away next year based on yeah. on what happened this year because it was it was a fun and laid back and disarming weekend where people just got to love Star Trek and that's what we're mm-hmm. all about. One of the things that I'm hoping we do, uh, and we're actually talking about the possibilities right now, is. Wouldn't it be great to have James on the show to talk about this place? <laughs> I would love to have James Colley on the show. Are you kidding I'll, me? I'll see what I can do. As the uh, <laughs> vice president of guest relations. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you. But uh, can you imagine? Have, I did an Elvis impersonation. And we're talking about James. That's kind of funny. A really and bad it, one too. I didn't do that on purpose, but sorry. Um, yeah, uh, that's something I'm hoping we can do, and I'm, I, I know that you hope we can do it as well. Because to be able to hear from him the passion and the love that he has put into creating this thing, and now being the official licensed one uh, for CBS, really has to mean a lot to him. So it'll be great if we can get that chance. You know, uh, this is just. Uh, the detail. I mean, the level of detail in the sets is meticulous. I mean, mm-hmm. James obsesses about these details, from what we can tell, and you know, in his narration on his tour, you know, definitely lend credence to that. But if you look at something as simple as the graphics on the front door, now that this has an official Starfleet Museum, you know, yeah. graphic inside, they're using the Starfleet Command logo from the upcoming Star Trek Picard. Right on the glass of the front doors for this museum, so I think it's really a beautiful way to tie this into modern day 
and its museum status by allow, allowing you to step back in time. And if people aren't paying attention, or if they haven't seen the Picard trailer, they might not recognize the new Starfleet Command logo. Mm-hmm. But uh, we noticed it instantly, and <laughs> I just I could do nothing but smile from ear to ear. And I guess that's a recent change that they just put up there because we were talking to Mary Beth, and she's like, that wasn't here the last time I was here. So <laughs> it was exciting to them, too. So, yeah, very cool that it's all tying together. Well, Dan, you know what also is exciting for us? That's to be able to use five-year missions music every single episode of the Trek Geeks podcast. You know, I got to tell you, the very first episode of the brand new five-year mission podcast dropped this past weekend, my friend. It's available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and just about everywhere you can get podcasts to put into your ears. So uh, we want everyone to check them out. uh, The band is, of course, hilarious. This episode number one is called Firsts. And it's about a lot of firsts for them, including some memorable convention experiences, and we think you're going to love it. So you can, uh, you can obviously head out to, uh, to the Trek Geeks website or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Google Play or, like we said, wherever you get podcasts in your ears and, and download the first episode. But sincere thanks to them for becoming uh, a, a part of our family and for also all of the music that we enjoy as part of this particular podcast, Dan. So it's it's the episode is called First. Maybe there's a first Danism in that podcast. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Um, <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. The I'm best way to, to know is to subscribe. And, That's right. Uh, and to get it in your ear holes. I will be listening to it on my commute to work tomorrow. But um, recently I watched something, and it was a very powerful episode. Um, our honorable drummer must go before the five-year mission high council to challenge being called a traitor to the band because of things that his father did, not even him. So Picard stands by his side as Chadich while a conspiracy to hide the truth is discovered. Nonetheless, Bill, he must answer for sins of the Farkther. It's a very great episode. If, if I could stand up and cross my arms and turn my back on you right now, oh. I would. Because that was terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I actually thought that one wasn't bad. Oh, my God. It's, every Farkism is like a dad joke now. And we all know how much I love dad jokes. Oh, then they're never stopping now. You just you just, you just, just made me floor it, buddy. I am screwed. <laughs> but anyway, fiveyearmission.net, please download all their albums and check out the Five Year Mission podcast. We really think you're going to love it. Uh, of course, don't forget you can support the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to bonus content via Patreon. You can get access to exclusive content that you're just not going to get anywhere else. See the first of our annual supporters pins from Fansets. The design for year two is going to be unveiled very soon. Mm-hmm. And you can even get raw, unedited audio of our podcast along with a whole bunch of other perks, Dan. Yeah, we also want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. And they include Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. Uh, absolutely. And of course, Dan, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Harry Michelson, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Corey Stone, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, and of course the lovely and talented Scott Vashon. 
You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today. Next week, Dan, you said it before, but we pushed it off for a week because of the amazing time we had in upstate New York. So uh, next week, we're finally going to deep dive into a TNG episode that you yourself picked with your own grubby little fingers. <laughs> I did. Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of odd the way uh, that this happened. You said, hey, Dan, pick a TNG episode off the top of your head right now. And for some reason, Face of the Enemy was the first episode that popped into my mouth. So true to my word, next week we're going to deep dive into this interesting episode of Intrigue. Deanna is surgically altered and forced to pretend she's a member of the Tal Shiar to help two high-level Romulans defect to the Federation. Intrigue, suspense, drama, Bill's face all unfold next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship podcast of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> my face? <laughs> Unfolds. How does an episode <laughs> pop into your mouth? Can you... Uh, it pops out of my mouth. There you go. <laughs> face the enemy. <laughs> your mouth is pretty big. Uh, so, Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of course, there's Discovering Trek, our dedicated Star Trek Discovery show, Polytrex, uh, Five-Year Mission, and I've just heard the first introduction for Rewind. Yes. And uh, that's going to be pretty fabulous. So that's uh, trekgeeks.com. Of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 189 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper, (laughs) y'all. Paul, I think I told you. I'm a lover, not a coconut. <laughs> oh, Michael. Yes, you are. <laughs> it's a little music to drive to, Ticonderoga. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producer, Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! It's early in the morning, so I gotta do it. Bing bong! <laughs> you sounded like you weren't all in that one either. No, it was, was kind of like losing the breath. The air was just being sucked right out of my lungs. So let's try it again. Bing bong. That's much better. I'm sorry you Don't. had me if the air was being sucked out of your lungs. <laughs> Thank you. See, any any type of description where I'm suffering, you just, you light right up. You just, the smile on your face just showed up was was one that I've not seen in a long time. Because I'm I awake like now. looking at your face. So I'm awake now. Yeah. Okay, great. Go back to sleep. It was better. Maybe for you, but how, not for anybody listening. How are you? I'm I'm here. I'm just real. See, I'm just rolling off the insults. I'm not even acknowledging them because they're just so bad. But by saying you're not acknowledging them, you are in essence acknowledging them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's it's not me. It's that's no, the, it's it's me. Believe me, I know. I'm the dumb one here. I know. I'm the ugly. I'm the ugly one. I'm the dumb one. I'm the one who doesn't understand anything. Math is hard for me, but not anybody else. And I can't type or talk good neither. Ow. I'm going to turn that into a ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be available on Camp Kidmer <laughs> for free. <laughs> for free. Yeah, everyone, for free. Yeah. We're not charging for that. <laughs> Although we could. There's no Star Trek IP. Oh, that's true. There isn't. But no, we love everybody, and uh, we we want them to to be able to use that as a ringtone so that's going to happen all right great that's i'm glad i thought of that
<laughs> oh, this made my day. Great. Well, it's, it's nice and early for you, so at least you have the rest of the day to enjoy it. <sighs> but that's all right. You know, it's it's fun to, to get up and record with you. Yeah, I love recording with me. <laughs> it's you. You that I'm still on the fence about. Oh, you're not on the fence. Come on. We're all in this together, buddy. <laughs> wow. Oh, you okay? You need, a, you need a minute? I was no, I was gonna cough, but it went away. So I'm just gonna have a sip of my salted caramel coffee in my Patriots sweater mug. Is that mm. is is it really called a sweater mug? Well, it, if you look at it, see the print. It kind of oh, looks yeah. like a sweater, which is kind of cool. I it like look, that. It does look like the cuff and the here. stitching and cabling of a sweater. Take a picture of this. We'll put it on. Uh, we'll put it on Camp Kittimer to show everybody my Patriots sweater mug, as I like to call it. Hold on. There we go. So you see there, you got a Patriots logo, which, of course, is the best part of the whole thing. But it looks like... Uh, it smile looks for like... the camera. Thank you. Yeah, okay. I like how we stopped talking for the smile. It's pretty good. Well, it's because I can only do one thing at a time. Oh, uh, yes, that's true. I know. I know. So, yeah, that'll be kind of cool. So everybody can see that. I love it. I, I picked it up at Kohl's, of all places, a couple years ago. I saw it sitting on a table, and I loved it. So I got it. So here's, my, here's our relationship with Kohl's Cash. <laughs> And I think, cash. how does this company make any money? No idea. Because you go in with like 100 bucks in Kohl's cash, you buy 125 bucks worth of stuff, and you walk out with 50 more bucks in Kohl's cash. <laughs> yeah, and it's dollar for dollar. It's not like points or anything like that. Why, why don't they just like give you the stuff for free? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It makes, you come, it makes you come back. And the thing that stinks is it's not like you can get something, get Kohl's cash, and then turn around and go get something and come back. The Kohl's cash isn't good for like a week, so you have to go back. So that's how they do it. Just well, but there's Kohl's cash that that you can retain. Oh, I know that, but you can't yeah. like you can't just like go right back in and use it. You have to wait before you can actually use the Kohl's cash. I see cash. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, so just, the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. That's right. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So yeah, <laughs> constantly. And then we're like, all right, we're not going to Kohl's for a while. <laughs> and they send you a coupon for like triple Kohl's cash. It's like, son of a. You want to uh, hear something that's really weird? Yeah. Other Sue than your I, face, Sue and I are going to Kohl's today. <laughs> And I'm not. I'm not even kidding. That's so funny. That's I, hilarious. I have to get some new dress pants for work. <laughs> I uh, I wear jeans to work. Yeah, I, I usually wear uh, uh, not not dress pants, but um, business casuals. I guess you could call them. That's all right. We all know you're a big suck up. It's fine. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, you have to look good for the people. You know, you know, you you know when you when you do a good a job as I am, you have to look good in case any of the upper echelons come down to congratulate you. <laughs> That is such a load of malarkey. I was, I was going to say, I was trying to come up with the best way to say that, and you picked the perfect word in malarkey. Malarkey. <laughs> malarkey? Malarkey. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we're going to have a, a fun conversation here today. I'm looking forward to it. We are. We had such a great weekend. Um, we were just talking about it on the Patreon-specific intro, and I, um, of all the conventions I've been to, and now this counts STLB, this counts a lot of the smaller market ones. Mm-hmm. I've been to ones in Manchester, New Hampshire, and Providence, Rhode Island, and some in Boston, which were smaller. Um, and this one has really kind of vaulted its way to you know, among the favorites I've ever been to because of the people. It was it was amazing. Everybody was so gracious and so friendly and so welcoming. Um, it was a nice, small, intimate convention, so we really got yeah. to 
enjoy everything. I mean, STLV, we love STLV because it's just the reunion with all of our friends and family that we've made, but it's so busy all the time. And this allows, this one allowed us to walk around, to meet the people, to, you know, to, to, to walk the sets and really enjoy it. I, I was, I loved it. And I agree with you. It is vaulted up to one of the best conventions I've ever been to. Yeah, it's it. I think you hit it right on the head with the word intimate. Um, that really is what makes it so much different. I mean, STLV is fantastic, but you always wind up hanging out with the same core group of people mm-hmm. for the most part, and that's where your intimacy comes from. Right. Other than that, it's a very expansive sort of nameless, faceless event because yep. there are six, seven, ten thousand people mm-hmm. uh, at times. Um, this one is 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 nothing short of amazing. And you would think that it would seem a little disjointed with events at two different physical locations, but yeah. it is not. No, it's not at all. I, I was actually a little concerned about that one when um, we got the, the map of things since we were going to have a table in the vendor's room. I'm like, wow, this is at the high school and the high school's it's like a 10 minute walk if people are walking so it's not it's not far but it's not right around the corner either but it it blends together perfectly i thought it was i thought it was very well done kudos to james and everybody there who did such a great job which i'm sure we'll talk about more during our general discussion uh without a doubt we absolutely will um uh, quick and I, I, I just i can't say enough good things about it uh, and about the tour itself i mean mm-hmm. Um, we'll hit this obviously during the episode, but if anybody's ever thinking about doing it, uh, don't think, just do. I would say even people not thinking about it, now you should be thinking about it, and so now you should be going. Go. Right now. Yeah. Get in your car. Stop the podcast. Don't even listen to this week's episode until you get in the car and drive to Ticonderoga. Listen to it on the way up. I'd say, yeah, listen to it in the car, hands-free. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No earbuds. The drive is beautiful. Oh, yeah, it is. It's very nice. Even when you make a wrong turn and go on the ferry. <laughs> Well, it, it technically wasn't a wrong turn because the GPS right. told us to do it. True. true. It's kind of like that episode of The Office where Michael drives into a lake because the GPS tells him to. <laughs> that does not surprise me one bit. <laughs> and I might have done that if the gate wasn't down. So, win-win. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that because I was your passenger. <laughs> I, I Although I float passenger. really well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerk, you ready to do this? You got it, punk. Let's do it. All right. 